we are why it's not as if we came, we were away for a long time <laughs> you know yeah, who was away for a like long it, time it feels like it ang walang kwentang podcast welcome back ang walang welcome back podcast, the globe studios podcast yeah the, the world is healing the earth is healing yes. ang walang kwentang podcast is back with uh director net and i think right now JP it's direct jp habak yeah yeah great episode what about that horror one that you're working on Bago po ako magsimula, gusto ko lang po sanang mag-request na kung ano man po yung marinig ng mga tao sa kwento ko, huwag uh, na lang po sana nilang subukan. Lagi naman akong napupunta sa mga haunted house kasi nga, research ako ng horror show. So, marami na akong napuntahan na ganito. Uh, ang hindi ko alam, tatatak pala sa akin yung bahay niyo dahil hindi pala talaga siya ordinary. Hindi man natin nakikita. Pero sa mga luma at abandon ng mga bahay na to, may mga nakatira na. This is a podcast series where first-hand stories of real-life supernatural and natural encounters are told. Nandito sila. It's a horror narrative podcast. Uh, it's written by Kren Yap, one of our Globe Studios peeps. And then it's pretty much like a DJ taking calls from people who've experienced supernatural phenomenons in their lives. Some are based on real life, some are fictional. What I love about it is uh, Mong Alcaraz, my husband, um, is the sound designer. And um, I really hope you guys give it a chance with earphones and listen to it in the darkness. Maybe close to midnight, midnight also for the... Complete goosebumps feel. Nandito sila. Nandito sila. Powered by so, Globe Studios. Yeah. All Soon right. to be an anthology show. <laughs> Welcome to Enslate. So this episode is, uh, yeah, it's the uh, good old what we've been watching and uh, our recommendations. So we've promised to ourselves internally that this will be an hour. So yeah, let's make this happen. <laughs> Promises, promises. Uh, so I think we should start with you, Mel, because you have uh, two um, things you want to talk about, right? I have two things that I feel like people do not talk about because every time I finish an episode, it's like there's not a dearth of you know articles, reviews, recaps about them. And uh, these are Starstruck, HBO Max's Starstruck, and also uh, BBC's Starstruck. And uh, For All Mankind on Apple TV. Starstruck. I'll start with Starstruck. Oh my god! How could you not tell me this? I did. What do you do? I'm a nut truck. Oh, no thanks. Tom Kapoor is a famous actor, and you're a little rat nobody. Harsh, but it's true. I am forever a stain on his sexual history. It's a BBC production that was picked up by HBO Max, and it's it was so well received in in the UK that they ordered a second season. And to my surprise, a lot of critics actually picked Starstruck as one of their best of shows of the year so far that people have not discovered. So, and you know, Quark, I actually I, I texted Director Net now. Oh, you have to watch this because I can see I can see this. 
being adapted in the Philippine setting. Now you have a superstar trying to date like a normal girl. And how does her family react to her barcada, going to Mega Mall? How is this gonna happen, etc.? Especially because there may certain specifics yung showbiz culture, pa, diba, that I think Correct. Really interesting. Correct. And what is your other recommendation? The other one, I'm championing this so much. It's for all mankind. It's Apple TV's alternate reality space drama, space slash family drama. Parang party of five and Friday nights, Friday wow. night lights with with uh, Mad Men workplace drama and Apollo 13's space Houston we've got a problem kind of drama. Welcome to NASA. You are, as of this moment, officially astronaut candidates. Someday people will write the history of this time. This is Jamestown Actual. Ten seconds. Mark. They will say that during the coldest depths of the Cold War, America inspired the world. Which, like, checks off all my boxes. So I've seen the two Miguels in our N State Facebook group and on Twitter tweeting about this show, um, and so I and even uh, Vinny Vinny was was talking about the show on his own Facebook feed, and I was so curious, right? Because it's Apple, it's space, it's uh, has a big budget per episode, and then I tried watching season one, and Vinny already warned us season one is going to start super slow and it's going to pick up episode five, and it took me two months to get all over episode five. <laughs> Ang haba naman ng episode. Diba? Kasi parang I'd watch one episode and parang, boring nito, man. And then, and then yun nga, once you get over the episode 5 hurdle, wow, freight train that will not stop. Grab the action, the drama, the plot points start really moving along. And then episode uh, season 2 came, and there's like a time jump from the 60s to the 80s in, ep- in season 2. Is it based on a true story or? No, so it's an alternate reality wherein um, instead of the Americans being the first on the moon, it's the Russians who are first on the moon. And then uh, the Americans are, t- are trying to catch up with the space race. And in this alternate reality, they are NASA's continuing with the space program. Like we're, we're sending um, civilizations or trying to set up a civilization on the moon. We're, we're about to launch into Mars, Paranganon. And then, honestly, the season ender, the season finale of For All Mankind is, I think, one of the best, or if not the best right now, episode I've seen so far of the year. Grabisha. It had four plot points going, four action sequences, and it wrapped up all the drama on Earth. Please watch it, guys. You have to see it if you have an Apple <laughs> yeah. Plus subscription. It's, it's, been, it's been in my... Sort of queue for a while because you know, it was one of the first offerings and big budget. And it's another, it's Ron, what's his name from BSG? Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ron of D. Moore. Yeah, so yeah. that's why I was looking forward to it. And also, because the, the, uh, the main actor of um, Patriot, that's the show he's now on. So Oh my gosh, he's so handsome, was, Ramon. So, diba? Patriot ka na kasi. So, ayan. <laughs> so, yun nga, after I watched this, oh, but, yeah. he's on Patriot pala, which is Ramon's show. What Ramon is championing. So, sige na nga. Okay, so, so that's on Apple TV. That's readily available. Um, and two seasons, how many episodes each? Sorry? Ten eps each, and they're an hour. So, if you're used to K-dramas, this is like, si-siu. Kasi 60 minutes <laughs> lang siya. 
And you know what? It was so good that my dad watched the last three episodes with me without even any context. But he just was like drawn into the drama, the action. Um, and if you're a space movie nerd or geek like me, na, you, you, you like to Google like, is this scientifically possible, etc. This is the show for you. I love it. Please watch the season finale. It's amazeballs. All right. I have two things too. <laughs> I only have two things. My first thing is, um, of course, one of our favorite directors uh, in, in the pod, Steven Soderbergh, released yeah. No Sudden Move on HBO. You said a man wants to see me. Ali Albert. Can't come in here. What is he, white? Oh, boy. So what's the score? Just uh, two weeks ago, I think, and I don't say it's good. It's a good, it's a good Soderbergh film. It's not super great, but it's just, I know, it's just fun to watch a shit ton of, you know, our favorite people from the '90s getting together and doing an old man tough guys movie, right? So, parang Cheeto, oh. Del Toro, Fraser, <laughs> Fraser, who was like my dad did my dad Shocking. Me randomly. Like I did not know that was Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Oh, uh, same, first, same. He, he looks like Orson Welles in Touch of Evil, right? <laughs> he could have played Orson Welles in Mank. Uh, no, but too young, too young, too young, actually, too young, too young. And then uh, Leota, right? So, um, and of course, Surprise Man at the end. <laughs> uh-huh. Plus, plus, ano, plus, ang galing ni David Harbour. I mean, uh, si, si Sheriff in, in Stranger Things. He actually is one of the better um, cast members in, in the film. And of course, mm. uh, you have Julia Fox is there. Uh, Kieran. From Gems. Yeah, Kieran. Kieran Culkin. Culkin. Si, you know, si Upstream Caller. Mm. Si, Amy Simons. Yes, Amy Simons. Yes. So... Yeah, it's 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 uh it's just nice to see Soderbergh kind of like go back to his the good old uh Soderbergian ano, diba? Parang the small contained films that kind of like transcend its genre by by kind of like um talking about capitalism and greed. Um so parang <laughs> ano, and then parang he learned, diba? I mean it, a lot a lot of it is is from you know, like it's a lot of it feels like the underneath uh, or the Good German, or the Limey, uh, which which is actually a better film. But parang ano, parang uh, it, parang in many ways he's kind of like trying to do a Chinatown. So mm. oh yeah, diba? Yeah, so good, good yeah, and it's just nice. Seeing, and I I think um I I saw I I was just you know flipping through channels and I I saw Ocean's Eleven and it's one of those things where you stop and then you kind of wow I'm finishing this damn thing okay. And so to see no sudden move so so soon after, parang it was it was such a welcome ado, experience. You both yeah. have seen no sudden move. What do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> so here's oh. the thing. Okay, here's the thing. I love Soderbergh, but I just feel like he's I don't know. Is he slumming it right now? Is he just on cruise control? I thought no sudden move would be like super fun, out of sight slash Ocean's Eleven. And Tamasi Miguel looked to and I was talking to him about this. Na we both wished that the movie had stayed in the first half. Yung bahay lang ni, ni Stranger Things guy. Mm-hmm. And then let it just move the action there or move the drama there instead of Don Cheadle going across town and doing the usual hitman stuff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
or, or it was that, a no? perfectly perfectly okay movie for me. Maybe I was just too hyped. Na oh, it's his return to Out of Sight because I think that's what a lot of the the press releases were that this is like um, Soderbergh going back to that genre, uh, which is weird because there's nothing very yeah. sexy here. <laughs> Like, yeah, right? That's I'm why I'm kind of disappointed. Although David Holmes, good job, huh? but um, I did yeah. not know you had that, that in was you, a nice, <laughs> the scar. Yeah, that was but... a nice reunion. Uh-oh. Well, I, I, I liked it, but I also knew going in that it was more of a sort of a low-key crime film. What I was surprised by was that while I was watching it, it struck me that it really feels like a film from its era, which is in the 50s. So I, I couldn't tell what the next scene was going to be, which I enjoyed very much. And then it also just sometimes introduces like random characters. There's some old noir films that are like that. And then, but you know, it was, I remember being just happy na parang, wow, he's actually using lights this time. Because parang walang, <laughs> available light lahat ng, ano, yung let them all talk. So, and even, uh, what was the one before that? Um, um, the Meryl Streep one. That, no, it was, uh, no, right? Um, was it High Flying Bird? The Bird. No. High Flying Bird. Yeah, and High Flying Bird, was, which was which was iPhone, right? So, like, this one, even though it had those weird fish eye lenses every now and then. Oh, that's like, so distracting. The fish eye. The moving yeah. fish eye. That was my main, like, quibble. Lang. But it was nice to see uh, all these actors mixing up, mixing it up with new actors. And then it also that week was like Noah Jupe, who plays the son. He's terrified in both that right. and A Quiet Place too. So parang kawawa that kid. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. But yeah, it's not like top five Soderbergh. And it's also weird, like na the, it's written by Ed Solomon, who my who most people probably know from being the writer of Men in Black and um, A Bill and Ted's. But yeah, he's also worked with ano eh, He's also worked with Soderbergh before. They they worked on Mosaic together. So, but I still appreciated then like how it's one of those topsy turvy crime. Not a caper, but definitely it's like you have no idea where you're gonna go next, and that kept me on my feet. Although you know, because of the surprise sort of cameo at the end, it kind of. It kind of kills the momentum and pace a bit in mm. in one of Quark's favorites, which is the person who shows up to explain. Explain. And then, uh, <laughs> also, I, I I do think I know. I Soderbergh has to stop working with Peter Andrews and Mary Ann Bernard. Like he kind of has <laughs> to. Never <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're just slaves to his every whim. They're parang hive mind sila. Do people give him notes? Like I don't know. Maybe this doesn't work. The pacing is kind of off. I don't know. As long as we get the good performance and as long as it's like done at a good time and we save money. Parang, ano. So, I mean, I, it's everybody just points out the fish eye. <laughs> like every review I've read is like, so parang, ah, okay, then that kind of already, ano, that kind of gets in the way of the ano na, um, new storytelling mo, when, when people are just obsessed with the lenses yeah. you use, so. Um, but it's also his nature, right? He's like he's always been like super experimental that way. So, parang I don't know if we'll ever really get rid of that. Eh? And I think it's also part of him staying interested. Remember when they were talking about his, when they would talk about his wanting to retire because he would just wanted to paint na lang. Parang I think what keeps him interested 
<laughs> is to just ano eh, come up with these weird ways of telling stories. And sometimes it's yun nga, having only available light or using uh, an iPhone 8 for unseen. Or, you know... What um, is your favorite post-retirement Soderbergh film? Hmm. Shocks. <laughs> well, Probably no, High Flying Bird for me. That might be, diba? And that one, that one's actually getting a sequel, eh, because they they had know. fun with it. Ako, it's and either it actually, this or ano actually um, this one or the Logan Lucky. <laughs> ay, uh, ay, ay, oh, Logan, Logan, Logan Lucky, Lucky, yes, yes, Logan Lucky. Yeah, yeah that was yes, fun. That was but fun. But I have not seen actually the the, the Meryl Streep one, the last one. Ah, okay, ba? Gusto ko rin yun, but it it sort of almost feels like a different director. But there are there there are sequences there now. I really like the. The montage of the ship, etc. But made me yeah. want to go on a cruise. If that, yeah, that helps. Yeah, it coming out during the pandemic did Segura <laughs> did it some favors, no? <laughs> um, okay, and then um, second thing, um, well, Summer of Soul, or when the revolution could not be televised. Are you ready, black people? Yeah! Are, you ready? Are you really ready? Yeah! Are you ready to listen to all the beautiful black? Voices, the beautiful black feeling, the beautiful black waves moving in beautiful air. Are you ready, black people? Are you ready? So, yeah, yeah. this is a, a documentary directed by Questlove, aka Amir Khalib Thompson. And uh, during the year of, uh, no, no, of uh, Woodstock, uh, which mm. is 69, um, there was another uh, music festival going on uh, in another part of New York, which is Harlem. Uh, and then there's a few weekends of, um, you know, soul uh, musicians and, and black musicians and kind of um, bringing the community together. Of course, this was like shortly after Malcolm X and Martin Luther King were, were assassinated and um, there was a lot of racial injustice happening. And it was, I yeah. guess, the, the attempt of New York City to to kind of like appease, right, the, the black community. But no one ever released the footage from the from mm. this uh what's what's uh I don't know Harlem Cultural Festival. Um yeah. and then finally, I you know, um they they give it to Questlove who is uh of course the, the DJ of the route and it he just makes this drummer like, fantastic a drummer but drummer, yeah. yeah. Drummer. Uh, drummer and the yeah. DJ, sorry. Uh drummer of the roots and yeah. the um and the, and a DJ. And, you know, he just makes this um, super heartfelt, beautiful documentary um, about about that uh, cultural festival. And, you know, parang, <laughs> I'm watching it with Bianca. We were like crying. And then later on, we started dancing. So um, it was a, it was, you know, and then of course, parang all the greats, diba? parang a very, very young um, uh, see, I know, well, Gladys Knight. Stevie. Um, yeah, Stevie Wonder, um, uh, Sly and the Family Stone, um, uh, the Queen Nina Simone. So, parang wow, man! Just uh, just watching all of that fifth dimension. Who I also did not know was black. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> the man is like, yeah, the oh, people black. Like were black. They're like, what? They're black. <laughs> and um, yeah, but wait I till I show my mom. <laughs> and I think it's just so. Fantastically, I mean, I, for some weird reason, Quest Love has been popping up uh, in my life in in this particular year. I, I was super into his masterclass, and then um, I've been following a lot of his 
ano, Spotify playlists. And then parang, and then he comes out to this. And I didn't know when I started watching, I was like a quest love John. What the fuck? It's quest love again. Uh, and you can really feel that parang a DJ did this. Because parang in between, um, in between like uh, verses or in between lines of a song, he'll cut to dialogue from news footage or ano, parang he'll, he'll seamlessly cut from ano, a transition from one um, topic to the other or one issue to the other. Right? So it does feel like actually like a DJ set. It doesn't feel like, oh, this is what happened during the festival. It's like it, it ties in everything that happened, including the man on the moon and uh, uh, Martin Luther King and uh, the Black Panthers and everything. So parang... Wow, man, it's <laughs> so good. Uh, such, such a good uh, documentary. Um, and you both have seen it. So what do you guys think? Why didn't you like it, Mel? Yeah, why didn't you like um, it, Mel? I actually stopped halfway. I think I just got... I <laughs> with the format. Na performance, talk, performance, talk, performance, talk. I, I, I mean, I, I felt that I've seen better concert documentaries. I mean, mm. even you take out the historical context, right? Take out this was the black equivalent of Woodstock. Take out the black movement. Take out Questlove finding this in a basement. If you compare it side by side, like with another, you know, concert documentary, I don't know. It it just fell flat for me. Um, but with the thing that I really love though, and I found so amazing, and Mong, my husband, found also super amazing, was how they cleaned up. The live sound, because it, it so was good. so incredible. And when we saw Stevie the first time, he was like, "Is that? Is that? Are they playing a CD? Oh my gosh, it's live!" Because and sobrinliness ng ng paga remastering of mm. of the concert footage. But that's my only gripe. Na naumay ako and then to the point that I stopped and then just moved on to another another show. Yeah, that's me. How about you, Ramon? Oh. <laughs> oh, this for for me this is definitely one of the films of the year. Like you can see why it swept the Sundance that it was in, and it was one of the most contested purchases in that year. Yeah. Uh, so and then Hulu, as we know, won it, and yeah, as Quark said, it's Questlove's first film. He's not really known for that, but it, but it was like really smart of the producers to approach him and even he didn't know about the cultural festival and he's such a historian of music so parang he felt almost like he was being pranked like I've never even heard of this how can this <laughs> and he asked nine other parang historians like people really into music and they hadn't heard of it either so he thought talaga he was being pranked and then they showed him the the material and it was like mind-blowing to him and I guess that's also similar to how we felt because it's such a strong to open with Stevie Wonder was such a smart movie because it's like to see him know. that young yeah. and you know sort of in the prime. He's 19 in that footage. Ah. <laughs> so, grabe no. Grabe <laughs> and then ang linis ng sound nga, as we said, ang ganda ng songs. But for me kasi, I mean, ako hindi ako na umay. I really appreciated the context which I needed. Um it, all I knew nga was that it was the same year as uh Woodstock but all the other stuff with the uh, the recent uh, killings of like Robert Kennedy, MLK, and um, Malcolm X, about so and then uh, they, they, even the content, also the the people who behind the festival and the mayor showing up and yeah, just I uh, love the mayor. It was dude. so I know. 
si Parks very, and very handsome, si and very handsome white mayor. Oh, the basa parang ako ako sobra ng natuwa. I, I I could feel that parang there were moments na I would gasp basically seeing the footage, and I can only imagine what it felt like to people who really revere music like Questlove. I mean, I also thought uh, one of the advantages of his being like a first-time director was like. Uh, in the documentary, there's people who performed at the festival, and he captured their reactions watching the material for the first time in decades or ever because they performed, but they never saw the footage. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that thing you did 40, 50 years ago. It's like, hero. And then this is how young you looked. And then because of reaction videos of YouTube and stuff, that's not something necessarily that uh, a seasoned documentarian might capture, but because, you know, sort of. Because it's his first time, he said, "Let's let's get their reaction seeing it." And then you'd see them, you know, being very moved, uh, sometimes going into tears, right? about about what they're seeing. Sometimes it's family members or people who did attend as attendees as fans, and then sometimes as musicians. But yeah, it's such a an amazing artifact, and it just because it it feels like hidden treasure, right? Eh, yeah. Like that was unearthed, and then it's like, wow. And then, and then it also makes you reflect on like how messed up the history is. Na parang, yeah, we've heard so much shit about Woodstock, but diba, at the same summer, this was going on, and even Questlove never knew about it. So parang paano pa tayo? And then that's why I think it's such an important documentary, but also amazing performances. Also, like I mean, diba, seeing Nina Simone. Mavis Grabe, Staples. no, yung parang you know why it's the, the you know why it's the climax talaga. Yeah. But for me personally, seeing Mavis Staples that young, and then um, again Fifth Dimension, which you know I mostly knew from like uh, I didn't even know na galing sa hair pala yung ano eh. I mean, I didn't know now they had they had spliced in their own song in Let the Sun Shine In. And then... It's uh, like ASAP number. Uh, ASAP favorite. Right? <laughs> that that yeah. deadly. But, but, but it's also another another thing that's awesome is when it sort of introduces you to new things. Like, I've heard of Sly and the Family Stone. I've heard the songs. But I didn't know his sort of role in the music at the time and that that contextual <laughs> material from Questlove was really uh, eye-opening and yeah I, I really loved it ang galing ng ano no? galing ng Gladys Knight yung parang yung speech oh. niya iyak ako na <laughs> diba? Parang super ano, or even them even ano if they mentioned parang like these are our people like I'm so happy yeah. We're got, we got to sing to our people they're like fuck oh. grabe and yung ano like like why it became I know I super love. There's a I know one of the interviewees is, is uh, the the first I know the black woman to write for New York Times, ba? and then she was also yes. the first to be in a white school uh, in Georgia. Tapos parang ano parang all the she was in the in the dorm, the first floor of the dorm, and all of the all of the white girls were just like stomping their feet because they knew. Um, that the black girl was in the first floor, and she's like, I didn't give a sh- I didn't care. Like, I know I was listening to Nina all the time. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, parang and then the explanation niya kung bakit ano, black. Parang that the year it it became it went from Negro yes. to black. Parang, uh-huh. Shit, ganda. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. so, galing. <laughs> daming daming jewels na ganyan eh. It made me feel also a little bit like watching ano the Beyoncé Coachella. Na parang I'm not like a black 
girl. But if this is impacting me this way, imagine if what the impact is to people, to diba, all that. Ano. See, that's so, what so I was that, alluding to, the Coachella uh, docu of, of Beyonce. Like, I really felt that to my bones, that what, what she was saying. And how how they interspersed talk and performance. Mm. Well, because it's like a very personal, like one person vision. Yeah, probably, probably. Contextualizing it also with with the historical, um, historically black universities, diba? Right? All right, that's it for me. Okay, Ramon. No, okay. Actually, I'll just go to immediately another music documentary that I really loved, which is Edgar Wright's first documentary, The Sparks Brothers. Throughout all the years that I've been making music, if you get on a tour bus with a bunch of musicians, eventually the conversation will go to Sparks. I remember just seeing them all the time, like, who are those guys? They are a band who you can look up on Wikipedia and know nothing. Uh, well, it's it's not like I can spoil it. They exist, man. They're a band, but <laughs> but the thing is, I didn't even know about them either. Basically, no one did. Yeah, just well, Edward no. Wright. Well, they're, they, what's interesting, kasi with the documentary, is seeing that they had periods where they were very popular, pala. Mm. And, but these were mostly when we were like kids, and then kasi the mo- the the only thing I could remember of Sparks was the recent album that they did with Franz Ferdinand called FFS. Um, For fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, but it's also their initials, about Franz Ferdinand <laughs> slash Sparks. Yeah. And then, so I, wa- but of course I'm watching this docu because it's Edgar Wright. But also again, it's in the, in the same way of like Summer of Soul, it was like discovering this sort of hidden treasure na parang how does this band exist? But they have 25 albums. It's basically two brothers. That's the core of the group. But there's like, you know, sessionists coming in and out in the different eras. And then so many talking heads, but, you know, major players in, in the music industry talking about how influential they were. It feels like, I say, what happens with Sparks is they were always just like 15 minutes ahead of their time. And so they never got the fame and the real sort of uh, role, I guess, in history that they should have, but they influenced so many people who did end up getting that fame. And they also, what's interesting is they never were interested in just pursuing the money. So whenever they would get actual fame, they would still continue on their own path of creativity and, you know, parang just following their own muse. And the next thing might not be what the current industry really wants, but then they're still ahead of the game. Like they did a, they did, Basically, one of the very first electronic albums um, in 79. And the guy from New Order was the one saying, imagine they oh. did that <laughs> before the 80s. And then and then the, their producer on that album was Giorgio Moroder. Pa. Oh. So, parang grabe yung mga ganong anecdotes. Um, and actually, the, the what was surprising also to me was, I mean, for someone who used to listen to a, a lot more music before, I was amazed that, I only recognized one song, which was from that Marauder record, but I probably heard it like on some compilation. But almost everything is new to me in terms of, oh, this is a Spark song. But you can sort of see also how it influenced other things. You know, there's there's even a Paul McCartney or a Wings video where he dresses, Paul himself dresses up as one of the male brothers. So you can see parang how 
they had uh, an influence on these other artists who went on to such fame. Although, of course, Paul was famous even before that. But you know what I mean? Parang to have that distinction, parang si Paul McCartney dressed up as you, diba? So, and then what's nice is it has the participate, full participation of the male, bro- male brothers. And then it has also some great uh, anecdotes from ex-girlfriends, ex-bandmates, uh, the the big fans nila, like sila Flea, etc. Um, and yeah, it, it, it basically convinces you or makes a really great um, argument for being a Sparks fan by the end. And it's such a banner year for them because there's this documentary and then the film of Leo's Carax at Cannes right now, Annette, is their idea and their songs. So, high up yung timing for them. Like, they're, they're there now with, with, you know, sila Marion Cotillard and uh, Adam Driver and, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and Vicky so, Bello and Hayden Ko. <laughs> I know. I know, I didn't and know Scarlett that they were going to, to Cannes. It's like, <laughs> Tarang mom, nasa group chat ako. <laughs> nice. So, so and, and yeah. they, they seem to be like, ano, diba, kooky guys na parang they want to do things differently. So even the documentary seems like it's different from anything else. Yeah, I think that's Edgar Wright sort of um, tapping into their thing, no? But but yeah, part of it is also showing that they're not that kooky. They have an amazing work ethic. There was six, seven years na a label wouldn't touch them. But their drummer was went into tears talking about how they worked every day. They were writing songs every day. So, you know, so amazingly, they didn't lose hope. They didn't despair. They weren't like uh, spending their money on stupid things so they could have a six-year fallow period. Uh, really interesting. Eh? They don't make them that way anymore. To, to see that happen and then yeah it's, it's nice to see them sort of sowing the or sort of reaping the benefits rather and this had a theatrical run right Ramon? yeah it's in, in the theaters States? now but it um, but it finally came out also on VOD yeah ah I really want to see it please oh what was your second topic Ramon? I'll be kind na lang and say A Quiet Place 2 which I really enjoyed. Yeah. I don't know why he came all the way up here. There's nothing left. There are people out there. People worth saving. I've had this discussion with some friends that we're annoyed na how good the director Krasinski is. Na Damn! After, like, no, no, after, like, because I thought the... I haven't seen his first two films, but parang, no, no one really cared, right? And then, big lang quiet place. <laughs> and then, uh-huh. so parang, like, ah, okay lang nakaswerte yun. Tapos parang, shit, hindi pala. <laughs> no, because <laughs> quiet place one, you could see parang what he was looking at, what he was studying. And like, fair play to him. That's how you do it. Diba? Parang you study the master steel from the greats, pero the confidence of the direction in two is, even if you don't like it as much as one, but it follows pretty directly immediately after the first film. But the confidence of the direction has jumped and then you're like, it's kind of annoying. Like, Why are you this good and married to Emily Blunt and, you know, tall and good looking. So parang, damn it. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. I enjoyed it very much. The, pacing was 
solid throughout. And there is a little sort of quibble along with the climax, but it's hard to shake that because, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but ganun lang talaga is how, how, it, how, how stuff gets done. So parang, <laughs> yeah, but anyway, yeah, watch but quite I haven't it. seen, I haven't even like seen it? the first. <laughs> Wait, because no, of your fear of horror? So it's not, the, no, yeah. you won't get scared, Okay. It's not like uh, that's, not a, that's not that's not true. It's really scary pa rin for me. But See? but but the, but the aliens kasi when the, when the aliens show up, that's when they're sort of not scary because it's kind of CG-ish. Pero the tension and the suspense beforehand, yun yung high up eh. But that's why you want to watch also because eh, it's like Hitchcockian ano eh. You know, that parang pulling of the tension strings. And the the original writers were not ano, right? They weren't uh, involved with this one. Yeah, um, actually, they weren't really involved even so first there. Parang sa first one, they just did the the draft that got sold. Pero when Krasinski came on board, pala, parang he basically overhauled the script. Uh, okay, okay. It became more about family when Krasinski took it over, I think. But yeah, I mean, Mel, just watch it na lang like in a bright afternoon. <laughs> How I'm watching Fear Street, by the way, during oh, yun, the day yeah, kaya, in bright daylight. Kaya lang kaya na. <laughs> But then, no, no, like, because I, I really thought, okay, the, the first one, because they, they hardly showed the monsters, right? So you had that, that no, parang mystery going on, and then, and then yun nga, parang that, that, that quiet, you know, but, but so many plot holes came out, yung parang, oh, why don't they just live by the Hoover Dam? They, they can, ano, um, <laughs> they can talk all they want. Um, or basa maraming butas, eh. And then this one kind of like, um, parang di, he listened. <laughs> he listened to all the, um, to, to all the criticism and parang I actually like it more than the first which okay. I and, and I and I don't um, I usually like even horror films that I like yung mga Conjuring so Blair Witch uh, Nightmare on Elm Street I, I don't bother watching the sequels kasi parang more of the same and then mm-hmm. kahit my gems parang okay parang ano eh like usually the strength of the horror film is the concept so with a second outing, the concept usually get tired. But here, um, it, it didn't. So, and yeah. then, ano, ang ganda ng, ng, yung character ni Millicent na, uh, mm. ano eh, <laughs> pa, parang ano, like, like, she's the one they kind of focused on and, and Emily Blunt, who was such a big part of uh, the first film, kind of takes a backseat here, di ba? So, yeah. parang, um, and then, and yeah, I mean, you, you think now, okay, we know the weakness, uh, this is not a spoiler because Quiet Place 1 was already like three years ago but um, we already know the weakness of the alien so how can it be scary but he still managed to make it really tense and ang ganda ng yeah. ano yung yung uh, mirroring yung ano mirroring action between what's happening mm-hmm. with uh, the, the brother and then the sister like in two different places yeah. parang ano but there, there's also um, criticism that it's pretty much watching the, a quiet place, wearing same beats, same same shots, even. That's what I read in some people's uh, commentary on the film. Are these critics or Facebook? Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Facebook critics. Yeah, no, no. He may he managed to make it different enough. I think. Um, yeah. There are some things that are nods, eh, right? Like, there's a famous yeah. scene with a nail in the first film. Yeah. And then he kind of... 
But and then he kind of just lingers a, a little bit. But it's a tracking shot, and but it doesn't stay there, no man. But you know, it's yeah. and it's a little acknowledgement. Even in the intro, eh, there's a, an acknowledgement to the intro of one, but uh, very subtle. And the intro uh, of two, which I think is online. It's also really great. Na, you know, there's no need to hide the aliens now because it was revealed at the end of one. So in the intro of two, it's the the day they arrive, basically. And then it's the most high budget, you know, most cast extras you'll see in both films. <laughs> and a good job, Killian. Like uh, yeah. <laughs> you you did well. So I know. <laughs> So yeah, I, I, yeah, I really liked it also. So damn you, I know, Krasinski. <laughs> okay, and that ends up our content roundup for the past few weeks. <laughs> um, what do we have next, Mel? Well, I hope we have John Lloyd Cruz and, and R.A. Rivera for Fraile, which is a Globe Studios upcoming Historical series quirk, would you say? Yeah. Historical vi- fiction. <laughs> historical <laughs> fiction. This is the first long form RA, diba? Parang that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, well it's you know, it's uh it's basically I know, two twenty minute ish uh episodes, so I know. It's 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 kind of the it's just good to have RA back, I think. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I think this is JL's first foray from his hiatus, self-imposed hiatus. Yeah. All right. Okay. So we will see you soon. <laughs> Bye, guys. All right, guys. Bye. <laughs>